Welcome to Grace. My name is Brian Wilson, the lead pastor here at Grace, and it's so great to see everyone here. Turn to left or right behind and say, hey, good morning. Good morning. Everybody's like, yeah, good morning. Good morning. It's great. It's great to see everybody. Great to have everyone here. Yeah, uh, school is starting next week or uh, starting tomorrow for a lot of folks, and uh, all the parents are ready. The kids are ready. They're rocking over there. Next gym, we can totally hear them. That's awesome. And uh, we're still learning to go to school here. We're still working through some things here. And uh, it, is, it is so good to see everyone here. Uh, I, I, got, I got one big announcement. Uh, Danielle had, had, had her big announcement. Here's mine. Um, we have a men's retreat at the end of this month. And uh, would love for our, for our men to be part of it. So we talked about this last week, the importance of being in community. And men, we are the worst at it. And so we're going to give an, oppor- an, an opportunity. Uh, we're going away to... Gatlinburg for two nights. It's going to be an incredible experience. And just simply just go to our website, gracenox.org. Go on the, on the right side. You'll see this whole event section there. You click on that and register. And uh, Or if not, you're like, I'm not really sure about that. Go to the, to the uh, Connection Hub. Tommy will be back there. Put your name down. I will personally call you, tell you all about it. And I will even drive you up there. How about that? Wow, that's exciting. Okay, no, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we will actually run together up there. I don't know. But we, I will make sure that you are, you're there uh, at the end of the, end of the month. And so we, we got a lot of stuff going on here in August. And uh, next weekend is going to be incredible here. And then the, the, the end of the month as well. And so we're so, so excited about that. We are in the middle of the Gospel of John. And uh, our, our uh, uh, focus about this is that there are 66 books in the Bible and sometimes, I'm not sure about you, but you pick up the Bible and you're like, where do I start? Like, like there's all this stuff. And I had a friend, he started, he started reading Genesis. And then he started, he said, well, it's like a number of book, right? I started in Genesis, I read Exodus. And he goes, wow, this is pretty boring. I don't know if he got the Kings. He's like, wow. So he skipped over and he's like, well, how do you read the Bible? You know, and, and for a lot of folks, it can be really difficult to understand how to read the Bible. We actually believe, and I believe this is true, is that, is that God has made himself known. God's made himself known in some general ways that, that we can go out to creation. Luckily, we, we live here in East Tennessee. We can say, there, this is amazing. I mean, did all this stuff happen by chance? Or is there someone who is behind all of this? Is, is there this intelligent designer behind all of this? And, 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 and so we, we sort of need to name a name. That, that, uh, who is this? Who is this being? And luckily, God has made himself known in very specific ways. He's made himself known in his son, Jesus Christ. And we'll hear about that here today. It says, you know what? You may have a lot of questions about who God is, but I want you to know who I am. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And as Philip Yancey says, like, you know what? I got a lot of questions about God, and I hope he's like Jesus because I really like Jesus. And so God's made himself known in that. Well, how do we know about Jesus? Well, we know him from the Bible. I'm getting old, so I need like a really big letter Bible now. But, but you know from the Bible that the Bible is God's revealed word. That how do we know about God? God has put it together in these 66 books. But it's still really confusing, confusing to figure out how do I understand who God is. And so our purpose behind focusing on the gospel is that let's, let's go deep into one book. 
And from that one book, that one book is going to open up the whole story of the scriptures. And there's really, there is a movement. The, the Bible, there's this great drama that it starts off and it's, and it's this beautiful intent that God created everything good. God created everything for his glory, that, that men and women were created in the image of God and, and they were given a job to work in this garden and everything was good and that, that we, had, we knew who we were. We had a relationship with God, that, that we could go to work. Everything was great, that we were in community, that we're not alone, that we had everything taken care of. But then chapter two happens where we, we wanted something more than that. That, that we wanted to be God. And we felt God was holding out on us. And, and this whole relationship in chapter 1 was all about trust. Everything's about trust. That, hey, I've given you all these beautiful things and all these good things. And so it's just, just trust me. Trust me that I'm good and that, and that my word is good. And we're like, ah, I think you're holding out on us. And actually, I want what you have. And we see something. We tried to become something that we were not. And with that, we, we broke relationship with God. We, we broke relationship with each other. We, we broke relationship with creation. We broke relationship with understanding who we were. And so we have this whole chapter of like brokenness. People trying to make kings and, and nations, and they're striving to get back to what we lost. But then God came to us in Jesus. The Bible says that in Jesus, every, he's God's every yes. And he restores it and puts it back together. And so we see then that then, and then it's through Jesus, he's putting our, our relationship back to God and our understanding of who ourselves and our relationship with each other and gives us a whole community called the church. And then we're put on mission to go and share that good news with others. And that's the basic flow of the scripture, waiting for waiting for Jesus to come back and for there to not be any more sorrow or any more viruses or any more brokenness or separation, that one day the Bible says that there'll be no more tears. And many of you still today shed so many tears like I do. And that's coming any moment. As Christians, we live between this now and not yet. Like, like I know Jesus is coming, but I'm still living in this now. This is perfect for our text today. And so we're doing a deep dive in the Gospel of John that opens up into this huge narrative that, that it's God's answer to our brokenness. It's his own son. And what Jesus tells us today is that, is that we can work, and we do work for many different things and many different ends. And so he actually gives us a principle. And some people can see it as a command. He gives us a command and then he gives us the answer. The answer. So let's sort of set the scene. We're in, in John chapter 6 today. This, and the scene is this. Uh, this entire chapter, we're going we're gonna to be here for a little bit more than a month. Because what happens is, is that Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Now, the other gospel uh, writers say that, uh, that there are 5,000 men. So we... The miracle happened more than 5,000 folks. It's the only miracle that actually appears in all four of the Gospels. And so when they put all four of the Gospels together, and like, what's the major miracle? This one. And some people believe it's because it touched so many people. And so many people were like, this is amazing. I, I, I was there when this happened. 
that from seven pieces of food and in the middle of this wilderness that he feeds us, just like God did to his children of Israel. He fed them in the middle of a desert. Well, this event happens, and the people say, we want you to be king. We want to make Jesus king. And they go, and they want to make him king, and he withdraws, escapes. And then it's night. And so Jesus sends his disciples. There happens to be a boat right there on the sea, and he puts his disciples in the boat, and he says, go across the other side of the lake. And Jesus goes up to pray. And in the middle of the night, as a storm is, is going, it's crazy, and they're rowing, Jesus appears to him and says, hey, don't be afraid. It's me. Calms the storms, get in the boat, they get to the shore, and it's a new day. It's the crowd who were fed, who, who had experienced a miracle. They wake up going, I wonder where Jesus is. And so we sort of spend the first three verses, John tells us, sort of their little search. I wonder where Jesus is. How did Jesus, where did he go? And then this group from Tiberias, which is crazy, they're on their Holy, their holy Land tour, and they end up there in Capernaum. Excuse me, they, they end up there, and they find the folks there, and they get in the boat, and they all go to Capernaum, and they find Jesus, and Jesus gives them this word. Everyone's always looking for something and someone. And we're all seeking. Let's sort of see what happens here. So in verse 22, the next day, the crowd, the crowd has stayed on the opposite shore of the lake. They realized that only one boat had been there. They're starting to put this together. Okay, there was one boat that Jesus had not entered it with the disciples. But they had not gone away alone. So they're, so they're figuring out, okay, well, where's Jesus? He's not here. His disciples aren't here. We know the disciples got in the boat, and we can't find Jesus. And all of a sudden, in verse 23, then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So these folks have this boat. Several boats arrive from Tiberias to this place. Just happen to arrive. Just at the moment that people are looking for Jesus. I think it's pretty funny, a little bit. I mean, they're just like, sometimes we don't really understand the miracle within some of the miracle. Sometimes when, um, when we're looking, and maybe we're not there yet with Jesus, that, that we sometimes miss the little miracles that Jesus is putting in our place. And Jesus sets up. And so, um, and so all of a sudden, they're trying to find Jesus. They realize there's only one boat. They don't know where he is. All of a sudden, this, these several boats show up from Tiberias with people. And they're looking for Jesus too, because they heard about the miracle. And so we pick up in 23. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after after the Lord had given thanks, after he had blessed it, as this miracle happened. Verse 24, once the crowd realized, so they start to do some investigation, they come to the sense of knowing, once they realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. So they probably they came to this group 
conclusion like, okay, he's not here. He's not here. They got into the boats that happened to be there. They just come from Tiberias. There were no boats before, but these people come from Tiberias. They get in the boats and they go to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Capernaum was Jesus' headquarters. It was his ministry headquarters. It was across the lake. So they all get in the boat. These folks came from Tiberias. They all get in the boat with them. And we have this huge crowd going over to Capernaum. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? <laughs> they still want to know, how did you get here? When did you get here? I don't understand this. And Jesus answers them, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Hmm. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we have this passage here. These people are just fascinated with the search. They're looking, looking for Jesus. They were so impressed by this miracle that he performed about how all these folks were fed, and they were not just fed, they were fed to the fullness that there were all these baskets left over of food, that they were so impressed that they wanted to make him king, that they were willing to then pledge their allegiance, that they wanted to, they wanted to put him up and say, we want you to be the king. We're tired of being under Caesar's oppression, that we want you to be the king, and Jesus withdraws. And his disciples go to the other side. They can't find him. And when they finally find Jesus, all these little things, of how they get there, they, they find some boats that God, I think, provides the boats for them, and they all go there, and they say to Jesus, Rabbi, when did you get here? When did you arrive? How did you get here? Because there were no boats. Like, like how did you, did you walk? Did you fly? I don't, help us understand how did you get here? And Jesus, I don't know if it's a sense of humor or just he had had his coffee yet. I'm not sure what's going on here. But Jesus doesn't say, well, I got here because I walked on water. I got here how I always get here. I never take the boat. I just walk on water. He doesn't say anything like that. In some way, he sort of rebukes them. I don't know if it's a rebuke. I think he, he challenges them. He, I mean, because he, he says, you, you, you have come to me like, 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 like you have searched for me, but you're searching for me not because of who I am. You're not looking for the sign. Remember, these are signs that when I did this miracle, it's a sign that points to who I am. But you're not literally looking for me for who I am. You're looking for food. You want more food. Because I gave you really good food that you were satisfied and you're hungry. 
And we see this pattern of Jesus over and over again, where he takes our natural thirst, our natural desires, and he points it to a spiritual thirst and a spiritual desire. He does this with the woman at the well as in John chapter 4, right? Where she's there, and, and, she's, and they're having this conversation around this well. He says, you know what? You can keep coming to this well over and over and over again, and you can keep getting water, but you're going to leave thirsty. But the water I can give you, and I will give you, will not just satisfy your thirst, it will make you into a fountain. It will make you into a well of living water. One thing I like about Jesus here is that he's okay with messed up motives. Right? I mean, I, I became a Christian because I liked the girls in the youth group. I didn't go for Jesus. I went for the girls. That's why I went. And then I happened to meet Jesus there. And I stayed with the youth group because the girls didn't like me. They dumped me, but I liked, we played basketball. And so I went for the basketball. And then we ate. I went for the food. I didn't go for Jesus. And I see Jesus is okay with that. I I'm, remember when I was doing singles ministry in Houston, and we had this coffee shop. And it was actually called The Well. It was a coffee shop. And it was a place. It was much darker than this. And people come. I can see people's faces. And you just come in. And all this stuff. And it was for folks who were sort of giving up on church and, and, and hated Jesus. All this stuff. And uh, so we called it The Well. We met on Sunday nights. And um, there was a story. I still laugh at this. One of the folks, one of these young ladies who had been coming. She's in her young 20s. She said, hey. Uh, there's this new thing called the well on Sunday nights, and I want you to come. And the friend goes, is it, is it a churchy thing? She goes, I don't really know if it's a churchy thing or not, but I need you to come with me. She goes, I'm not going to, if it's churchy, I'm not going to church. She goes, I don't know. It's, it's sort of just, it's just a, it's a cool place. She just wants you to come. And her friend's like, no, I'm not going to come. And then she made this bet. I will buy you a year's worth of margaritas. If you will come with me, and if you don't like it, I will buy you a whole year's worth of margaritas. She's like, wow, I can't turn that down. <laughs> so she came on the bed from her friend. Right? She came. And several months later, we baptized her. We, we baptized her husband. And uh, she's like, this is the greatest. She ends up working at the church. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. Only thing I'm bummed, I didn't get my year's worth of margaritas. I found Jesus. I love it that people are here. Jesus is like, hey, I know, I know why you're coming. You're not really coming for me. You're coming because you want food. You, you, you're, you're coming because I fed you. But in some way, he's also challenging them that there's something more to him. I'm not just here just, just to dispense food. I'm not just here just to feed your stomachs. There's something more to life. I think what he's really asking is why did you spend all this energy 
looking for me. What do you really want? What do you really want? What do you really want? We see the same question that happens, see the same question from Jesus in John chapter 1 when two of John the Baptist's disciples start following Jesus and they're walking behind him and he stops. He says, what are you seeking? What do you want? I mean, these, these folks have spent all day looking for Jesus. And they've, and they've used all of their investigative mindset to try to figure out where he is. And these boats show up and they're there. And all of a sudden there's this poignant moment here. They're able to go to Capernaum. They find Jesus. And the first question they ask is, when did you get here? And then he comes to him and says, hey, you're missing the point. I'm not just here for food. I'm not just here for games. There's something more at play. It's a great question, isn't it? Sometimes it gets a little old, but like, what are you looking for? What are you searching for? There's a famous quote. It goes like this. When a young man rings the bell at a brothel, he's unconsciously looking for God. It's a famous quote from preacher Bruce Marshall. When he says that, hey, when someone's going to, to a brothel, they're not just looking for a quick hookup and a quick sex, that they're actually, that there's something deeper going on there. Fascinating study that happened during, during COVID. The number one porn site in the world reported they had over, during COVID, they had 42 million visits that year. Now, here's what's shocking. They averaged 115 million visits every day. Every day, 115 million clicks every day on the porn site. Then there was a study done. It took 1,200 Christian college kids. And they found out that 9 out of 10 men who go to a Christian college visit a porn site. 9 out of 10 men. And it's not just men. They also found that half of the women at a Christian college, do the same. Well, what are they looking for? Escape? Intimacy? Another study, another study said that Americans spend about $100 a day. Actually, it's $101 a day just to be... $100 a day. In a typical year, we'll spend about, about $10.7 billion. Excuse me, $10.7 trillion. And some of the things that we spent, where we spend our money, we spend about $442 million touring Civil War battlefields, $800 million on fireworks. Wow, it's a big industry. $21.6 billion on marijuana. $4.8 billion on eating Cheetos, Doritos, and my favorite, Funyuns. I love Funyuns. We spend about $13.5 billion on cosmetic surgery, $62 billion on purchasing cosmetics, $32 billion on buying chewy toys for our animals. About 76, 
billion on going back to school supplies. Amen to that? Yes. 12 billion on prepping for standardized tests. 100 million, I didn't know this, you could do this. 100 million on purchasing faked degrees. Didn't know that was a a niche industry. I got to get into that. 100 million? Fake degrees, 4.6 billion on fantasy football, 32 million on eating pizza, 80, 81, mil, 81 billion on buying lottery tickets, right? 2 billion on online dating, 1.8 billion on mouthwashes and gargles and rinses, almost 2, 2 billion on going to nightclubs, and 11 billion on Viagra. You look at where we're spending our money. Did I say anything about the hunger? I wonder what Jesus would say. Because Americans, on average, they only give away $1,000. Only $1,000 Americans give away. But man, we'll buy our Cheetos and we'll buy our Viagra, we'll buy our marijuana, we'll buy our online sites. Why? Because I think there's something deeper. 80% of people hate their jobs. I think the number is even higher. 80% of people hate their jobs. 100,000 hours we will spend at minimum working in our lifetime. 80% of people cannot wait to get another job. They hate their jobs. Are we looking for something else? Are we searching for something else? And Jeremiah, Prophet Jeremiah says this, chapter 2. My people have committed two sins. They have forgotten me, the Lord speaking. They have forgotten me, the, the living water. And they've dug their own cisterns. They're broken cisterns. They cannot hold water. What he says is, first of all, they've actually forgotten me that I'm the source of living water. And so they have turned away from me. They have forgotten me of who I am. And they've gone about their own life and their own business, and they've created their own cisterns. And you know what? They're broken. They don't hold anything. So they keep trying to fill it up, and there's all these holes in it. And they're leaking everywhere. I want to say as a country, we're just leaking. As a people, we're just leaking. And Jesus would say, well, why are you here? Why are you tuning in? Why are you here? Why have you come after me? And he's trying, I think, to go after hunger. You have spent all this energy and all this way of trying to search me. You got on this boat, which happened to be there, and I led you right to me. And this is not just some type of accident or work of faith. I have brought you here to me. What are you searching for? Friendship? Companionship? You want to be blessed? Are you looking for affirmation? Are you looking for intimacy? Are you looking to be forgiven? Are you looking for salvation? Are you looking for prosperity? Are you looking for rest? Are you looking for relief? Are you looking for survival? Looking for a spouse? You're looking for good fortune? Looking for a new job? New marriage? New kids? Looking just to do something good? 
looking for a miracle? Are you looking for happiness? Are you looking for faith? Are you looking for hope? Are you looking for love? Are you looking for righteousness? Are you looking for mercy? Why have you traveled all this way? And he gives them this word. Be honest with you, they don't know. I just know he's the guy who fed them. And he gives them this word. It's a really hard word. It, it reminds me of, the, of this man in one of the Gospels who had all this money. They call him this rich young ruler. Had all this money. And he comes to Jesus. He says, good teacher, what must I do to have everlasting life? What must I do to have everlasting life? Jesus is like, well, why do you call me good? And Jesus lays down, you know, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, right? You should not give false witness, false testimony. You shouldn't defraud. You should honor your father and your mother. And that guy's like, I did all that. And Jesus is like, yeah, good job. But you're lacking one thing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to sell everything that you own. Actually, I want you to give it away to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And it's one of the, the truest and the realest, but one of the saddest moments in the scriptures, I, I don't really remember many people meeting Jesus and walking away sad. There are a couple of instances. Some people wanted to kill Jesus. And, and this guy, when he hears those words, his face fell down, and he went away sad, and he walked away. Because his wealth was so great, it was his identity. It allowed for him, it allowed all his happiness and all of his joy. And, and that what Jesus is saying is, am, am I greater than that wealth? I mean, waking up in the morning, are you looking at your 401k and how your stocks do? Or are you coming to me and worshiping me and praising me? Because that is what I want. I want to be the wealth. I, I, I want to be your treasure. I feel like Jesus is doing the same thing with these folks who are seeking him out. Are you coming to me for food? Are you coming to become this miracle worker? Or is there something deep? I, want to just, I just want to show a mirror before you. I want you to actually go to a place that you probably don't want to go. I want you to actually explore and say, you know what? This is what I really need. Or this is what I, I really want. Jesus says these words, you know, what, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? He's come to set us free. And he's come to satisfy every desire that we have. And so he says these words to them. Don't work for food that spoils. Work for food that gives you life.
do not work for food that spoils. The, the Greek word there is death. And he takes the word food because they have, they've eaten from him, right? They, he's, he's starting to take bread that they were, they have food. And so you're working. And it, work here doesn't, doesn't mean just going to your job and doing that. It means really energy, exertion, that, that, that as you spend this time, you spend all these things, that, that, that what do you, you, that you're working, what's the substance? Are you working for things that are going to bring you death, that are actually killing your soul? Don't do that. When people tell us don't, what do we do? We do it. No, I love you. Don't do that. Don't work for food that's going to just leave you perishing. And he goes and said, work for food that'll bring you life. And he uses the word everlasting life. Saf, we were at a conference a couple weeks ago, and this, this guy was talking, this businessman was talking, he said, you know, I spent my whole life focused on ROI, return on investment. And I realized that what I should be focusing on is E-R-O-I, eternal return on investment. And I'm having to think about me as a parent, that, that have I focused on my ROI or have I focused on E-R-O-I? And one of the things maybe to ask yourself as you, as you go to work, am I so focused on ROI that I don't even think about what's the eternal return on investment? with my time and with the gifts that God's given to me. And, and Jesus is, is challenging them. He, he's showing the mirror. He's pushing back on them. And he says, listen, I love you. You have searched. I'm going to give you something. But first of all, don't just spend all this energy looking for stuff and trying to find stuff. That's just going to lead you to death. Because here's what. God the Father, who, who provided you with manna in the desert, God the Father has given me the franchise, the franchise rights to give you food that will last forever, that will satisfy you. When you lose your job or you lose your spouse or you lose your child, when your health begins to break down, that you're going to have this sense of joy and delight and satisfaction. Because those things were spoiled, but I will give you something that will lead to life. They received something they didn't know they were looking for. And he gives them life. He says, I offer you food. As you tasted that food there on that hillside, now I'm going to give you something that will satisfy your deepest soul desire. And I've wondered as a father, as a parent, that did I, did I try to raise my son? You know, I got one more year. I don't know if I can get it back. But I, I raised my son to sort of satisfy sort of how I was raised according to how this world is raised. Or, or did I raise my son in a way that, that will give him something to last forever? And to be honest with you, I don't know. I got one more year before it goes off, and I'm going to do everything I can. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job and become a minister. Well, maybe if God calls you, then that's what you got to do. We're saying that every day, 
am I, what am I working for? Why am I going to work? Why am I clicking on that porn site over and over again? Why do I stay up at night and all I do is just buy everything from Amazon and put everything up on the credit cards? Why, why, am, I, why am I doing this? Why could you use my money to bless others? That, that, because there is something deeper inside that maybe I haven't let God have. I haven't let him feed. I haven't eaten upon him. And he's here to give us that food. Jesus has come to satisfy the deepest yearnings of our life. I think about this. I think he has come to give us faith. Not faith in ourselves, but he's come to give us a gift of faith to hold on to. He's given us this gift to recognize who God is. He's come to give us hope. Not hope in ourselves, the hope that he is trustworthy, that he's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do, and that he has overcome this world, that he has come to give us love, to love us like our parents never loved us, to love us like our husband or wife had never loved us. He came to give us love, to love us as a true son and as a true daughter, and to give us this identity that, that, that we're trying to find in this world because we were created for this world. He's come to give us peace because he's overcome the world and he's able to give us peace in the midst of all chaos. He's given us peace because he's the prince of peace. He gives us faith, hope, love, and peace. John Maxwell says... We, it's true, we don't always get what, what we want. It's a great song, actually. But he said this, while we don't always get what we want, we always get what, what we choose. And Jesus is offering this gift. Stop searching. I've come to satisfy you. I think about the uh, Apostle Paul. He's, he's in prison. He's surrounded by all these guards. He's, any day he, he, he may die. And I wonder if he's looking back and saying, man, I wish I would have never met Jesus. You know, I, I would never be here before. But he didn't do that. Or I should have been quiet about Jesus. And he never did that. What we have is a number of his letters while he was in prison. And everyone around him would say, why are you so full of joy? And all of these letters are full of joy, especially the book of Philippians. It's all full of joy because his deepest satisfaction is with Jesus, is knowing Jesus, knowing that he's known by Jesus. And he rescued his life and has saved his life. And Jesus raised from the dead that nothing can separate him from the love of God. And he writes these words, and I close with this. He says, but what, whatever were gains for me, he says, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He's fully satisfied in Christ for whose sake I have lost all things. I've lost everything. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Let's pray. I thank you that you welcome us. 
that you love when we come after you. We got so many questions and so many thoughts. But you're asking us why are we really coming after you? It's so easy to look at this world and see how to use the means and the vehicles of this world to be satisfied. But there's a deep hunger within us that sometimes we don't even want to acknowledge. But you want to satisfy that. You want to give us a love that's beyond anything. You want to give us peace that's beyond anything in this world. You want to give us hope and you want to give us faith. To spend our energy, O oh Lord, and just resting in you and knowing that you got it. And being fully satisfied in you. And so may that be so this week. That no matter what this world will throw at us, that we will rest in you, that you are our rock and our refuge. And we're not going to work for food that leads to death, but that we're going to spend our energy on life. And you are the author and perfecter of life. You're the one who has come to give us life. Maybe today, Lord, we've been pursuing death. You will give us life. And so we receive you. We nourish. You say all we do is we remain in you, abide in you, and you'll remain in us and you'll abide in us. Completely, utterly, joyfully satisfied in you. You're Jesus. We don't need anything else. All we need is Jesus. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. We taught his disciples to say this prayer, saying together, Our Father, art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and give us our debts as we forgive our debts. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Allow the kingdom, power, glory forever. Amen. One of the ways that we can show our satisfaction in Christ is through the gift of giving. There's a slide up here. You'll see it. There are many ways to, to actually give to grace. You can, if you're online, you can, you can give online. Right now, you can give online. You can actually text as well. That your gifts allow for us to, to be a mission outpost for Jesus. We don't think that we're here just to consume more and more people. We're here to be a blessing for others. Ten cents of every dollar that comes into grace goes out. It's out. We never see it. It's sent out. And so I, I invite you. If you're a current financial partner with us, if you're not a financial partner with us, if God's blessed you with some, some, some money to give, we... we we want to give it away. We want to give it away to bless others. Others will come to know Christ all ages. So in this time of offering, I really want you to reflect upon that. We have baskets in the back if you want to write a check or other ways. We'd love for you to, to use the gifts that God's given you to bless his kingdom. Over the next several weeks, you're going to hear from a number of our ministry partners. Danielle's done an outstanding job of, and the mission team's done an outstanding job of reconnecting with our mission partners during COVID, of praying through. And so one of our mission partners, there are actually two of them have come together. Restoration House, which is a ministry for single moms and families. Compassion Coalition, which brings all the churches together, which is 
it's hard work to do, of saying, hey, let's work together to address the needs in our community. The two of them have come together and created this event called COPE. You're going to hear about it in a second. On August 21st, it's an event for us to experience what it's like to be someone in our community right now who's experiencing poverty. It's a way for the awaken us as the body of Christ. And so you can go to our website. You can register for this event. But it's a way for us to partner with other churches, to us to be a blessing in this community. And so here is this video about COPE. 